Welcome to Judaism in the 21st Century, the podcast that explores issues we face in life and how we can better deal with them with lessons rooted in Judaism. I'm your host, Stephen Labkoff, and my co-host with me every week is Rabbi Daniel Cohen from Congregation Agudath Shalom in Stanford, Connecticut. Welcome aboard, and let's get to it. Hello, and welcome to this week's edition of Judaism in the 21st Century. I'm here, as always, with my co-host, Rabbi Daniel Cohen. My name is Steve Labkoff. And we're going to be talking about topics in this podcast that have a very wide range, uh, but always have this view of what does it mean from a Jewish perspective in the 21st century? And how do we apply the lessons and the tenets of the Torah and our faith to what we're seeing in our world today? And how do we make it real from today? Uh, Rabbi, do you want to make an introduction? Um, no, I think that, you know, <clears throat> We live in a society that is oftentimes uh, confusing, anxiety-filled, um, uh, and one in which we are struggling to find meaning and purpose and tap into a higher frequency of living. And that's really what the show is all about, is finding a way for the Torah to inform our lives so that we can kind of get rid of the static and tune into uh, to, to that higher frequency. So... Let's dig into this week's topic. Um, it's a topic that I find to be uh, very, very, not only controversial, but very meaningful to me on a personal level. It has to do with gun control. As you know, I'm a physician. When I trained in my physician for, for in medical school and residency, I trained in inner city Philadelphia. And at the time, we had this notion that every Saturday night, there were members of something known as the Knife and Gun Club, which would come out and try to kill each other. And we would be in the emergency room, sort of scraping the pieces off the pavement, putting everybody back together so they could go out and do it again next week. Ironically, of all things, I thought that was bad. I never thought it could get worse. And yet here we are today, where mass gun shootings are no longer the purview of Saturday night gangs, but have become, unfortunately, prevalent in churches and synagogues and schools and people who are not ever thinking that their lives would be touched by gun violence have indeed been touched by gun violence. And yet there's another segment of society which looks at guns in the same way they look at many things, which is guns aren't the problem. Guns are just tools, no different than a screwdriver or a hammer or social media, as we spoke about in our last episode. How do we look at the concept of gun control and gun violence with a Jewish perspective? And are there lessons to be taken from the Torah and how to how to view this and how to make sense out of what has really become just completely and utterly out of control situation these days? I'm going to pause and let you kick in. Well, you've set the table for a lot of comments. Um one of the teachings that comes to mind, you know, Judaism, Judaism teaches, and this is actually in, 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 in the civil law area is that let's say I have, for example, like a, like a, a, a snake or a wild dog or something that potentially could do damage. There's actually a statement in the Talmud that says you shouldn't raise that. It, it, it's dangerous for you to even have that in your possession. You could say it's my right because I, you know, I can own whatever I want. At the same time, if there's the potential for whatever you have to be a danger to society, uh, Judaism gives pause to that. 
So the, let's say somebody said, for example, I'm making a stream example. You know, I want to have a um, a missile launcher on my house. Eh, you know what I'm saying? Like, I want to just do something like that. You know, Judaism would say, you know, there's no point. It could go off. The whole conversation, I think, around some level of, of, of gun control and certain certain guns or certain kind of guns being kind of off the market, there is some value to that conversation. At the same time, nothing is black and white. We do believe that it's, I mean, I, you know, it's not the guns themselves kill, it's it's humans that take those guns and then use them in a harmful way. And Judaism says that when we can't recognize that another human being is created in God's image, which is a way of thinking that emerges when a person doesn't possess a sense of faith. If a person doesn't recognize that there's a higher power and it's a dog-eat-dog world, and I only see people for their economic status, the color of their skin, whatever faith they are, then I can begin to judge them in a way that only evaluates them based upon something external. If I truly believe that regardless of a person's economic status, faith, creed, race, they are created in God's image, I need to, I need to respect, respect that person. And you can have, you know, you know, and gun control isn't the, the answer. I do believe it isn't the only answer. I do believe that when a person um, doesn't have a clear sense that uh, every human being is created in God's image and also doesn't have a clear sense that what the right thing is to do isn't only whether I'll be caught, but ultimately what does God want of me, we would have less issues in the world today with, with violence. Um, I, I believe that everybody has the ability to choose. Um, I think Judaism is, is very um, reticent about thinking that somebody's a victim and they had no choice. I mean, you know, somebody goes in and, uh, and unfortunately uh, kills people. There may be other mental health issues, which is another issue. I mean, Judaism would say that you have to be sensitive to, but I do believe that there has been a um, significant increase in the amount of violence um, as the role of faith diminishes in our society. What I'm wondering about here is, you know, are we talking about bringing faith back into society in some way, shape, or form as a potential remedy for gun violence? Or are we needing to lean into more law enforcement or laws that um, can help move the needle? Because I think we're watching the society, our society push into the domain of more laws. And frankly, it doesn't look like it's working. What are your thoughts? Well, a couple of things. I think, and again, this is another Torah principle, is that it's a, it's a partnership. It's not one or the other. I do think that Judaism, yeah, laws are important, but I also think that um, even prosecuting and even holding people accountable for small infringements is significant. What is happening in our society, there's a sense, okay, if, if people go in and like they steal, it's called these mob thefts, or, or, or if it's under $100 or $200, 
it's okay. It's not okay. And I do think it's like, you know, like, it's a little bit like the, uh, the, the broken windows approach that, you know, the question is, are we going to create and inspire a society that respects other people's property? The value of the property should have no impact on whether or not it's right or it's wrong. Whether I steal $5, I steal $500 or $5,000, you took something that doesn't belong to you. And there needs to be accountability. And it's not easy. You don't just say you're going to be out on bail. And you don't lay it on the person's environment. Because then all we're doing is we're allowing people to be victims and not recognizing the humanity that everybody has free choice. So I think it's about increased law enforcement and increased accountability for even the smallest of infringements because you know that you have to you one of the cardinal principles of, of any moral society is that we have to respect other people's property. That being said, we can create all the regulations that we want, but what will fuel a moral and ethical society is somebody recognizing that even when nobody's looking, even when I'm not going to be caught, I would never think about doing that because there's a higher power that this God is watching and I need to do what the right thing is to do, not what the expedient thing is to do. And for a lot of, for, for much of society, and it's increasing, it's all about a litmus test of whether I can get away with something or not. But it's not about a sense that every action that I do, I'm fully accountable for. So I think it's a it's a, it's it's definitely a, it's definitely a um, a combination of greater law enforcement, but also having people recognize that you know there is a higher power to whom they're accountable. And I'll leave it with this: our country would be significantly better if more people wake woke up in the morning and didn't ask themselves, "What do I want?" But what does God want of me? That simple reframe of a question would create a more ethical, moral, and uh, and 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 kind society. And that's not a question that would be asked only of Jews among themselves for Jewish perspective. No, everybody, everybody's faith, you know. <laughs> well, that's my point: is that that yeah. that perspective of ha- of trying to think about your persona in a different framework in where you are answering to some higher authority on a routine basis puts another layer of control, not control, but a layer layer of, what am I looking for? Of accountability into Mm -hmm. the equation. And this accountability, it really does feel like it's evaporated in the last 20 years. Yeah. I don't think people think this way anymore. And I won't say that as a broad paintbrush, but it does feel like it's dramatically less than when I was a kid growing up in the 60s and 70s in Philadelphia. Right. No, there's no question about it. I think that, you know, there's a fellow who is a um, professor at Harvard. Clay, I think it was Clay Christensen. I'm not sure what his name was. You you would probably know this, but he says, like, with the diminishment of any house of faith. You know, my father would say oftentimes, it's not the leave it to beaver world anymore. And when families are not, and this, by the way, is also a consequence, you don't have the same cohesiveness with families. You know, it used to be that my, you know, my kid was at home and I knew where he was. And there was a role model that could help instill values. Today, my kid could be in the bedroom 
and they're 6,000 miles away. And there are all these other negative influences which are coming into their world. So we don't throw up our hands and give up. You know, that's, that's, that's again, we're Torah, we're faith, we're positive role models come in to say, at the end of the day, you're going to be a, a happier person, a more, a find more fulfillment in life. You know, when you lead your life, um, asking yourself, what does God want of me, as opposed to what do I want? And, you know, I, I, by the way, one thing I would say, you know, I, I don't lose faith because the prophets never lost faith. I mean, the reality is, is one of the cardinal principles in, in Judaism, you know, is that I believe with complete faith that even though, you know, the redemption has not yet happened, the Messiah has not come, it can come anytime. And as crazy as the world is, uh, the dawn comes after the darkest part of the night. So I may not be able to change the world, but if I can do my part in changing the world of one person, of trying to create a better world by being better myself and, and bringing that light to the world, you know, all of us in aggregate may create a tipping point and the world will be a place where there'll be no more need for gun control because people will truly see the face of God in every other human being. Do you think there's a, any type of a formula or recommendation that could start to move that needle? I mean, saying it on a podcast is one thing. How do we make it real in society? How do we get politicians to start raising these issues? How do we get people in power to start behaving with this type of it's not even piety so much as it is respect for their fellow man and respect for each other because it seems to have diminished to such a degree that's what's allowing gun violence to just be drifting into like an area of of occurrence that no one ever could have dreamt of 20 years ago i think that it's clearly a challenge i mean i've raised this issue with some politicians a little bit but you know they're so consumed unfortunately by um by, by just the day-to-day -day work that they do it's hard for them to take to take a breath um and think about these larger issues like this it's unfortunate when, when god forbid there's a tragedy or murder the first thing people say is we need more gun control but it's like that's addressing a symptom that's not addressing a core issue in our society so look i think that conversations like this i think that modeling a community that actually recognizes our responsibility to help the world around us is one of the ways to captivate other people. You know, I, 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 I talked to the mayor of our city about it. Didn't, I didn't get anywhere yet. I've talked about it, but I said, it's inexcusable that any city should have a problem with, with food for people, a food pantry. I said, we should not have to do food drives anymore. Imagine if everybody, me, you, Every time we went to the supermarket, it was known in Stamford, Connecticut, that you always bought something for somebody else. You just did five, five, five bucks. And there's a box outside every supermarket in Stamford, Connecticut for the, uh, for the food pantry. Imagine, that's thousands of people. It can be done. So I, I do believe that, you know, it starts with us. It starts with our community, you know, and slowly, slowly people, you know, the hardest thing to change is a habit. Um, and as a mindset, but uh, you know, if we, if we, all we can do is change ourselves. So if we, if we, if we're good models, hopefully we'll, we'll, we'll motivate others to follow suit. What did our mayor have to say on this topic? I'm just curious. She said, she said, good idea. I'll have somebody reach out to you and I haven't heard anything, but I'm, I'll talk to her about it again. 
All right, well, I'm looking at the clock and we want to keep these to about 15 minutes. And I think we're reaching that time for today's episode. Um, I don't know that we've reached any major insights other than perhaps, you know, the finding ways to bring faith back and have people think about their lives from another perspective might be the beginnings of how we deal with gun violence. And I, I like your perspective that gun control may not be the answer. That figuring the only out answer, by the way, I'm not saying, it, 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 you know, there's no benefit to it, but I think, you know, there's a, uh, too heavy, I think, a reliance upon gun control. And there may need to be, I think there does need to be a focus on other areas as well. Which I don't think has been happening. I think there has Correct. been over-reliance on, on the law and it's just, it's not addressing the root cause. I think you hit that nail on the head really, really well. We're going to wrap it up for today. In the future, we have a lot of other topics that we've queued up and you'll be hearing them one at a time. And if you'd like to uh, contribute a topic for us to discuss on this podcast, please send it to the email in the footer of this podcast. Uh, this is Judaism for the 21st Century. My name is Steve Lapkoff. I'm here with, as every week with uh, Rabbi Daniel Cohen from Congregation Agudath Shalom in Stanford, Connecticut. And we thank you for listening and uh, we look forward to our next episode. Thank you very much. Thank you. Hello, thanks for listening to Judaism in the 21st Century. I'm Dr. Stephen Labkoff, and for my co-host, Rabbi Daniel Cohen, thanks so much for listening. We'll be back again next week with another episode. See you next time.